Thank you very much. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. Bumgarner family for that uh, ministry in music. Tonight we are back in the book of Philippians, and uh, in particular Philippians chapter 4, verse 9. We have been talking about the things that make for peace in the life of the believer. In order to have peace, we talked about the fact that we need to be praying, and praying about all things, everything, if we're going to have true peace. It means that our minds must be fixed on the right, appropriate things. Uh, So, so far in Philippians chapter 4, it said, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That goes on to say, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Tonight we look at verse 9. Verse 9. Language is a funny thing, especially the English language, for words have more than one meaning. For example, the word fast can mean to be speedy, as in a fast runner, or just the opposite, it can mean to be immovable, such as a bolt that is rusted fast. The word net can refer to a device for catching fish, or it can refer to that which is remaining as in a net sum. The word ball can refer to a child's toy that is thrown, or a large formal gathering for a dance such as a masquerade ball. I think you get my drift. No, not a windblown snow, but rather you get my meaning. Now, let's draw our attention to the word practice. For we find in Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, in the ESV it reads, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me practice these things. So let's talk about the word practice for a moment. The word practice can mean to do and act repeatedly with the intent of gaining proficiency, such as practicing the piano. Or it can mean to pursue a professional career, such as to practice medicine. You've heard the old story, I'm sure, three men standing around talking. One man said to the second man, what do you do? The first man said, I practice medicine. The second man said to the third, I'll never go to that doctor. Why not? Well, the third man said, because I don't want him to be practicing on me. Well, in the professional realm, to practice is to be engaged in work in the area of one's profession. We speak of attorneys that are practicing law. Attorneys who have a law practice are attorneys that have completed their education, have received a law degree, and are now giving themselves to doing what lawyers do. There are many people, however, with law degrees who do not, in fact, practice law. They are engaged in other activities. One of the common uh, backgrounds to politicians is that many of them are, in fact, lawyers, having a law degree, but they don't actually practice law. Same is true with doctors. Not all doctors practice medicine. Some work for pharmaceutical companies. Others do research or teach. In the religious realm, we talk about practicing Catholics. That's a very common term. A practicing Catholic is one who 
is actively engaged in the activities associated with their religious beliefs. They attend confession, participate in mass, pray the rosary, and other such things. A non-practicing Catholic is one who has been baptized into the Catholic Church, but <clears throat> may or may not have gone to a parochial school and now are not actively involved in Catholicism in any meaningful way. So as we think about those things, we want to talk about this term to practice in Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen me practice. In what sense is that word practice being used? Well, it's not in the sense of gaining expertise. It's not in the way in which one would practice the piano. It is much more in common with the way in which a person would practice their profession, that which they have been trained to do, that which they have spent their time and energy uh, learning, now they are going to enter into the profession. They're going to engage in the activity of law, or they're going to engage in the activity of medicine. The thought of this passage is that we are to, gain, we are to do the things that Christians do. We are to be acting the way Christians act. We are to be practicing Christians, kind of close to the idea of a practicing Catholic. But we are to be doing the things that Christians do in order that we might have peace. So what are the things that Christians do in this particular verse? Uh, well, as you look at Philippians 4 9 with me, and I invite you to turn there since we don't have handouts. The first thing that we learn in order to have peace, we must practice the things that we have learned. Notice verse 9. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things. So what you have learned. There's more to learning than to simply acquiring information. Uh, it's more than just simple knowledge. To be learned, if you will, as this word is being used, it carries with it the understanding and relevance of that which we are learning. We talk about making things practical. The word practical has the same root as the word practice. It is the ability to apply what we know. So this morning we've been talking about reading the word of God. Well, when we have learned the word, it is that we have gotten to the place where we see its practicality. We see its application. We see its significance for the daily activities and routine of our lives. So we need to be learning, having the ability to acquire knowledge along with its application. The negative of that is given to us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7, in which Paul describes the people of his day and refers to them as always learning, but never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. Ever learning, but unable to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. There are some people that would spend much time reading the scriptures but never get to the place 
where those scriptures are incorporated into their life, that they actually begin to live them out. They may be great at Bible trivia, but their life does not reflect one of good application or practical response to the word of God. So we are to practice what we have learned. James warns about simply hearing the word, but not doing the word. James 1.22, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So if we're going to be people who experience peace in our lives, it means that we must apply the word of God to our lives. We must live it out. Much more than simply know it, we must act upon it. Secondly, it says that in order to have peace, we must practice the things that we have received. What we have received. The word uh, receive is a technical, technical term which is handed down from one person to another. We have the example in the scriptures of 1 Corinthians where it says, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and in which you stand. So here are people that have received the gospel. Now they're standing in or they are in allegiance with the gospel. And by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered to you at first importance. Here's that aspect of handing over handing over, and then you, in turn, receive what has been handed to you. Paul uses it in reference to communion, when he says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. And this word for reception has always the connotation of receiving and then giving, such as passing a baton. So the things that we have received are things that we have gotten from someone else, and then we are going to, in turn, pass them on to still another. So Paul writes to Timothy, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. <clears throat> so, again, it's like passing a baton. So if we're going to be people that are going to experience the peace of God in our lives, it means that we are going to embrace, welcome, receive God's word into our life, and then we are going to not only live it out, but share it with others. Third, in order to have peace in our lives, it means 
that we uh, must practice what we have heard from and about others. If you notice in verse 9, it says, what you've learned and received and heard. But it seems that in this sense, it's more passive than active. So it's, it's, it's more about what we have heard about as opposed to what we have heard from. Now, obviously, they have heard from Paul, and they need to practice what Paul has taught them. But that seems to be more in association with the word learned. But here, the word heard is, is more about reputation. The things that they had heard concerning the life of the Apostle Paul. For example, we have his testimony given in Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 to 9. They had heard that Paul had been reared under the law as a strict Jew. They had heard that he had put no confidence in Jewish practices, and neither should they. They had heard that Paul had placed his faith in Christ alone, and so should they. They had heard how he had pressed on to accomplish the purpose for which God had saved him, and so should we. They had heard how he had been in prison. They had heard about what he had done. So they had good role models. They had Paul, they had Timothy, they had Epaphroditus. And so he warns them, later on we will see, about being imitators of the apostle Paul and not of others. A good reputation, people that are good role models. One thing that I would uh, commend to you in having good role models not just the people that we know personally, but the people of church history, the great people of faith in times past, um, famous individuals. This afternoon, I was reading a biography of George Whitfield. George Whitfield lived in the 1700s. He was from England. He had come to America numerous times, and he had preached throughout all of the colonies. In fact, he had traveled over 2,000 miles on horseback on one preaching tour from New York to Charleston. It was the longest ride at that time uh, of any white person in uh, the colonies. It is estimated that he had preached, and he'd gone to over 300 cities, et cetera, et cetera, and it is estimated that he had preached to 80% of the people in the colonies. 80% of all of the people in the colonies had heard George Whitfield at least once. He was an amazing individual. Uh, and had numerous talents. He was indefatigable in terms of his energy. Uh, he'd preached uh, 18,000 messages. That's 
quite a lot, but remember he was an evangelist, so he was preaching the same thing over and over pretty much, but nonetheless, uh, preaching 18,000 messages is pretty impressive. But let me uh, read to you this account from uh, Benjamin Franklin, because Whitfield had been very famous uh, even by the time that he had reached uh, you know, the uh, colonies, by the time he'd come to Philadelphia where uh, Benjamin Franklin was. So this is a long quote from Benjamin Franklin regarding George Whitfield. Whitfield had a loud and clear voice and articulated his words and sentence so perfectly that he might be heard and understood at a great distance, especially as his auditories, however numerous, observed the most exact silence. He preached one evening from the top of the courthouse steps, which are on the middle of Market Street, and on the west side of 2nd Street, which crosses it at right angles. Both streets were filled with his hearers to a considerable distance. Being among the hindmost in Market Street, I had the curiosity to learn how far he could be heard. By retiring backwards down the street towards the river, and I found his voice distinct till I came near Front Street, when some noise in that street obscured it. Imagining then a semicircle of which my distance should be the radius, and that it were filled with auditors, to each of whom I allow two square feet, I computed that he might well be heard by more than 30,000 people. This reconciled me to the newspaper accounts of his having preached to 25,000 people in the fields, of which I had sometimes doubted. He said, I find it very hard to believe that that Whitfield could have preached to 25,000 people and be heard. And then he went and listened to Whitfield and said, I think he could probably speak to 30,000 people. They said he had a magnificent voice. It was melodious. That it was worth going just to hear him speak. He must have had just a beautiful, beautiful voice, oratory, and I can't imagine the power. I, but it's so remarkable. Think, he's, he's not using any amplification. He's not using a speaker. He's not using a microphone. And he's in an open area. And he can be heard by twenty-five to 30,000 people. By the end of the li- his life, he pretty much ruined his voice, as you might imagine, uh, preaching that often and preaching to such crowds, and most often preached outside because of the size of the crowds. And uh, at the end of his life, it was very common for him when he was done preaching to be having a coughing uh, fit in which he would regularly uh, cough up blood. So it took its toll. It took its toll. But uh, you read about such people. You read about the gifts that God gives. What an unusual ability to have that kind of voice. They said that he should have been an actor in the way in which he could project and in the beauty of his voice. But instead of becoming an actor, he became a preacher of the word of God. These are the kinds of people that are worth emulating. They're the the kind of people that are worth trying to pattern our lives after. Having good 
role models, people of positive reputation. Fourthly, in order to have peace, we must practice the things that we have seen, uh, we have seen in others. These uh, good role models that not only do we read about in biographies, but we've actually had the opportunity of being in their presence. For notice in Philippians chapter 4, it's verse 9, it says, What you have learned, received, and heard, and seen in me. Practice these things. What had they seen in Paul? Well, Paul said, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for you. Yet which I choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, Paul says, Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Be an imitator of me. How often do we find people will say such things as, do what I say, not as I do. So often we don't see people that live lives that are consistent with what they say. I remember many years ago, Charles Barkley, now known as a commentator, a uh, sports commentator, but then <clears throat> uh, played uh, college basketball and eventually played on the 76ers, but he didn't have the best of reputations and didn't really conduct himself in a manner in which uh, was totally respectable. And I remember him doing an interview on one of the Philadelphia stations in which they were taking him to task for his behavior And he simply said, I'm here to play basketball. I'm not here to be a role model. That was his take. The Apostle Paul was here not only to be a proclaimer of God's word, but he was to be a role model. Paul writes to Timothy. In Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example. Set the believers an example. If we're going to have peace in our lives, we need to live lives that are respectable. We must be willing to bear the responsibility, and it's a huge responsibility, of being an example, of conducting ourselves in a way in which we invite others to conduct themselves in the same way that we do. That is frightening. And as I think about... uh, the responsibility of a Christian, I, I think in, in, in all of the many responsibilities that we have, I, I think that perhaps is the most daunting. To really say, let me show you the way. 
Let me lead you. Follow in my footsteps. Be like me. But that's what we're called to do. That's what it means to be practicing our faith. Of showing people how to live, how to respond. Listening to our conversations. Watching how we deal with disappointment. How we manage criticism. How we treat those that don't treat us well. We are teaching our children about being a parent by the way that we parent them. Most children are going to grow up and discipline their children the way they have been disciplined. We prepare our sons for marriage by the way in which we treat their mother. Mothers prepare their daughters for marriage by the way they respond to their husbands. In Christianity, teaching can never be divorced from practice. It shouldn't be. Now, when I say that, there's a place for the academic realm. And uh, I had a bit of a taste of academia. I did did teach on a seminary level for a few years. And I'll tell you the one thing that did not appeal to me is that it really wasn't a place to make a great deal of application. It was much more in terms of just expounding what the Word of God had to say in a more academic sense of explaining a text, but it came short of actually applying the text. And I say come short because the Word of God always should be applied. We should always go away asking the question, what does this mean for me? How does this change my behavior, my conduct, my outlook on life? Biographies are good and fine. I enjoy reading biographies, but they're lifeless. They're dead. They are secondhand. I can't tell you personally what made George Whitfield tick or what he sounded like or how he conducted himself. I know the stories. That's part of the reputation. But we need people that can actually show us the way. We really do need role models. We really do need people that show us what it means to be a child of God. And every one of us here who names the name of Christ is to bear that responsibility. We are to be doing that for one another, for our children, for our friends, for our family, for our neighbors.
Conclusion, what does it take to have real peace in our lives? Well, we began by saying it takes a prayer life. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, make your quest made known unto God. It means we give our time thinking about the right things. Guarding our thought life. Even as we heard this morning, the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. The things that we're meditating on, the goals that we are establishing. And then thirdly, that we're living all this out. And without putting these things into practice, we will never have peace. We will have shame. We'll have regret. We'll have remorse. We'll have disappointment. We'll have angst. We will have self-judgment. We'll have low self-esteem. But as we practice these things, we can have a sense of worth a sense of value, a sense of pride in the right sense of that word, not of self-exaltation, but of knowing that what we are doing is worthwhile. We're going to be going back to Ecclesiastes when we finish Philippians. We won't say vanity of vanity, all is vanity. We'll say that Our life has had meaning, it's been purposeful, it's been worthwhile. And we can look with joy at the traits and characteristics that we see our children and grandchildren adopt that we think are praiseworthy. As we see within them areas of which they are following our example. May God give us the grace. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for your grace, your truth. I pray you would help us to live godly examples. May we be an encouragement to others. May it bring joy to our lives as we are able to help others develop in their Christian faith. Oh God, we desire to please you. And in doing so, we know that it will bring joy to our own hearts. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. And you are dismissed.